are a firefighter and an EMS professional. You put your life on the line every day for others. You are a part of a worldwide brotherhood of dedicated servants, and you deserve better. We are often our own worst enemies, and it's time to own it. Let's work to improve and change the status quo. That change starts with us, right here, right now. In every situation we're faced with, as we see a need, we own it and we act. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited. Hey everyone, my name is Ryan Rodriguez and I'm the founder and your host for the Ignited Firefighter Podcast. The Ignited Movement is a battalion of firefighters who challenge the status quo through a forum dedicated to self-improvement and accountability. In each of these episodes, we discuss a myriad of different things challenging the fire service today, from leadership and tactics to how to improve ourselves physically as well as mentally. We aim to civilize the mind but make savage the body. And even though the focus is on the fire service, topics and principles we discuss span all kinds of professions. That being said, let's light the spark. Hey everyone, today's topic is something that's battling uh, fire organizations around the country. And uh, before we get to that, I want to go ahead and give a shout out to Corey Rodriguez in Las Vegas, Nevada, and Michael Vu in Lawrence, Massachusetts. Both of these guys are listeners of the podcast, and they dropped me a line via Instagram, and I went ahead and sent them out some decals for supporting the podcast and listening. Um, they reached out to me and said they were, they were getting a lot of uh, positive information and a lot of insight from the podcast, so I appreciate you guys listening. Thanks again. Um, if you guys want some cool stuff, some, some decals or whatnot, drop me a line. And I'll uh, get your name and address and send them your way. Let's get started. Firefighters are typically revered and known for their physical strength, not necessarily their emotional strength. That's not something that readily shows. I mean, people don't get a calendar for emotionally strong firefighters to look at emotionally strong firefighters. Um, the outside sometimes reflects the inside, but that's not always the case. When people stop to think about the job we do, they often realize just how much impact we absorb, not only physically, but mentally, and especially emotionally. The emphasis that American culture puts on the workplace, not including uh, the financial necessity, is that the firehouse is a second home. And how many times do we hear members of our organizations say things like, I come to work to relax and to get away from the stressors of home. For some, it is a respite and a sort of sanctuary which is sad to me, but it's the truth for others. We spend one-third of our lives at the firehouse. Our job is stressful enough, so when the relationships at work become a source of stress for people, that stress has a huge impact on our mental health. And it's not necessarily the stress of it. It's the ability to manage that stress. A workplace structure that emphasizes positive mental health practices and emotional support is crucial now more than ever. And as you all know, I've talked about this before, and this is a huge factor for the reasons why I started Ignited in the first place. In 2017 marked the first year that line of duty deaths were surpassed by firefighter suicides, and the number just keeps climbing. We need to put a stop to this. We need to create cultures of respite and sanctuary for our heroes. We've been lagging in our awareness and prioritization of these issues 
we ignore them, and we figure that if someone has a problem, that's their problem to deal with, not ours. It's weird how we have that idea when it comes to each other, but when it comes to complete strangers, <laughs> we're all in. We're all in, and we drop what we're doing, and we respond. Then when we go to these, these firefighters' funerals, we clap each other on the back and tell each other, oh, what a great brotherhood we are. That's not brotherhood. That's cowardice. That's complacency. Cowardice is not being willing to talk about the hard things. It's up to us to create a plan, to push out the toxicity and create a true brotherhood. Sadly, most of the time, those in leadership positions are the ones setting the tone for this type of environment of neglecting and emotional culture. Today, we're going to talk about the eight traits of toxic leadership to avoid. And I'm taking this approach because if you know where the landmines are, then you can avoid stepping on them. Also, the solutions to overcoming these traits will be unique to your organization. So I can identify the common problems, but it will be up to you and me to identify the unique solutions for our individual organizations. We keep putting people in leadership positions that don't have any desire or understanding of what it takes to create a true team or foster those relationships. That's got to stop. And the best way to put a stop to it is to be able to identify the red flags. Let's talk about them one by one. Number one, unwillingness to listen to feedback. Leadership is about leading people, obviously. But this includes listening to your team's concerns. We are often teams of specialists within the fire service, like paramedics, tactical rescue technicians, building construction junkies, etc. Yes, it's the leader's job to make the ultimate decision, but when that decision is made without the input of knowledgeable members on the team, that's when issues arise. This shows the team that they're putting their own ego and desires above the common goal of the team and the organization as a whole. These types of leaders show the rest of us that they're unwilling to hear or respond to concerns in a meaningful way. And this can lead to many problems down the line, including employee dissatisfaction, resentment, and attrition. Number two, excessive self-promotion and self-interest. I say that, and I can think of a person right now that displays that openly, shamelessly, and, and like unabashedly. And I'm sure maybe you can too. By definition, a leader must provide guidance and clear goals and objectives to their team. However, it shouldn't be at the expense of any other goal except their self-advancement. These are the actions of a narcissist, guys. This is what narcissism is. It is incredibly easy to detect when these people would use others to their advantage, like pawns at their disposal. When those in leadership positions become obsessed with otherwise menial objectives that don't move the team forward but only satisfy the goals of the one, people quickly lose interest in contributing because they know that their ideas are going to fall on deaf ears. Number three, lying and inconsistency. Nothing removes credibility of a leader, quote unquote leader, faster than backtracking on what they said or did and shuffling around the rules and the guidelines that have been set up for their team. 
this doesn't contradict the idea of being flexible and adaptable. Just keep that in mind. What it means is that these potential changes should be a part of an organized dialogue where there is a reasonable consensus built around a core of consistent principles. Principles, guys, not rules. Principles. Any changes need to be communicated clearly and openly to all members of the team. This is crucial for team buy-in. When leaders create secret sets of rules for different people, negative conflict and resentment is a natural byproduct. Ultimately, dishonesty poisons morale and almost always comes to light. Transparency is the ultimate tool when it comes to integrity. Number four, lack of moral philosophy. If a person in a leadership position doesn't have a guiding ethical core that, that tells them or aids them in their decision-making and helps them, then the people they're leading won't feel confident in being led. They need to have a sense of justice, fairness, empathy, and vulnerability, just to name a few. Ultimately, a lack of ethics often leads to corruption and a human cost when people are thrown under the bus. Maybe it's happened to you before, maybe you've witnessed it happen, but you know it when you see it. If the person you're supposed to look up to has their own personal life in shambles or can't be honest in their dealings with their crew, then how can anyone expect them to be a positive influence on anyone? That expectation is outrageous, and yet I bet you're thinking of someone right now who fits that bill. Someone who's making open, unethical decisions that only benefit that person or feed their sense of self-importance. They're ego-driven. Number five, rewarding incompetence and lack of accountability. Ooh, there's the A word again, guys. Poor leaders can be so disconnected that they refuse to see toxic or incompetent employees who are poisoning the workplace around them. They may even go so far as to demanding that people look past these destructive elements and focus on what they do offer, if anything. If members of the team see a leader ignore, reward, and or protect these bad behaviors, then morale plummets and dissatisfaction skyrockets. I've had a personal experience with this type of leader. During a simple training exercise, my crew was tasked with stretching a line while the engineer was tasked with performing a water supply changeover, so from the tank of the truck to a hydrant supply nearby. Ultimately, the objective was to get water on the fire, right? I mean, isn't that the main reason we exist? Put water on fire? Seems pretty basic. After I got off the truck and stretched the line to the designated target, I found myself sitting there for close to 10 minutes while the obviously incompetent engineer fumbled and obsessed over irrelevant objectives. The captain at the time did a lot of yelling. And meanwhile, I sat there with my probationary firefighter with no water coming out of our hose. None. Super dangerous. Imagine if that was a real scenario. Not only did the leader of the crew lose his composure, he never held this engineer accountable in ways that mattered. Let's not ignore the fact that this engineer was promoted beyond his level of competence, obviously. The captain never trained with him further on the method of changeover after that. So ultimately, didn't they both get promoted past their point of competence? I would say yes. Number six, lack of general support and mentoring. 
Your captain may tell you that he really wants to see you promote to engineer or captain or lieutenant, but if he doesn't do anything to facilitate that, then what good are the words that he's spouting off? I mean, really, words are, are nothing. Action. Action is what matters. When leaders don't take the time to nurture and develop those under them, those people will feel ignored, stifled, and they won't feel the need to work and push to their full potential. It's a leader's job to push his people to get to the potential that they see in them. The dark side of mentoring is when leaders cherry-pick their, quote, golden boy or golden girl. Golden girls, right? <laughs> Throwback to the 90s. Who has won the favor of administration or whatever reason. Opportunities for mentoring need to be communicated openly and distributed fairly. People can easily see when they've been ignored and picked for last or picked last for kickball. The laziest way to mentor someone is to slap the words, quote, mentorship program on a binder and hand it out to people, never making contact with them again. This is an open display of a shirking of responsibility and accountability from the leaders. If administration does this, then what they're telling people is that they're pushing the responsibility of mentorship onto the person looking for it rather than owning the responsibility as they should. It's a shift in blame for when things don't work out and it leaves employees high and dry. It's not the employee's responsibility to push for mentorship. It's the leader's responsibility to provide it actively, not passively. Number seven, clickishness. Insecure leaders will often surround themselves with a small cadre of yes men or yes people who will parrot and mirror themselves completely. It's like an echo chamber. Organizations that find themselves at odds with two or three very clear and very different cliques soon have dissent and resentment among the ranks. It's very obvious. These groups have a tendency to harden in their position, making it that much more difficult to bridge the gaps. When you have a group that is constantly trying to convince others that, quote, unity is strength and division is weakness, but only consider unity as full agreement and adherence to their established echo chamber, who's really the group causing dissent? I think it's pretty obvious. Number eight, bullying and harassment. In the worst case scenario, a leader may become outright abusive and belittling to people around them, using either attacking or foul language or even threats or coercion. This behavior should not be condoned at any level in the organization. It should not be allowed to exist at all. The hammer needs to fall on these behaviors and these people who would propagate it, and it needs to fall hard, and it needs to fall fast. Leaders have to be held to a higher standard. This should be expected. They're responsible not just for themselves, but for their crew. I've been told that the company officer is the most influential rank within the fire service, and that means good or bad. They have the direct decision-making power to institute positive and helpful dynamics within the workplace. But sadly, there are times when they choose to use their power to exert their own control and foster their own self-interests. That misuse of power finds its way down the ranks and affects team members' psyches, causing distress, betrayal, anger, which can lead further down 
to mental illnesses like depression, anxiety, or trauma. And those are the things we're fighting against here, guys. For some, it would be easy to pick up and leave. However, for those of us invested in the fire service and organizations that we work for, we have to understand that there are methods of coping with these situations, such as grievance boards, trusted coworkers or supervisors, employee assistance programs, or external psychotherapy and mental health resources. There are also methods for having a positive effect in the turnaround of such environments. I've created a program that'll help guide you in building that sense of progress and trust. It's called Crew Builder. It's six weeks long, and like anything else in life, you'll get out only what you put into it. I go week by week and give you personal insight, as well as tasks that you need to complete in order to take steps toward building a crew that knows who each other are and knows what the goals and standards are of its members. I also hold a weekly live virtual session so we can go over each week's tasks, as well as lessons learned from the week before. This is accountability in action, guys. It's a great place to start if you're having trouble connecting with your crew. This kind of purposeful action establishes you as a leader for positive change and not only affects you and your crew, but over time, it bleeds over to your organization as a whole. Registration is currently open and we'll get started in July 2019. You can find the details on the website at www.ignitedff.com as well as all my social media outlets. Thanks for listening, guys. Be the ideal firefighter you would want on your crew. Be ignited.